Welcome to Do the Woo, episode 158. I'm Jonathan Wold, and joining me is my co-host for the day, Ana Maria Radu. How are you, Ana? Hello. Nice to hear you again. Always. And Ana, we have a fantastic guest today. Would you mind introducing him? Today here with us is the most handsome man in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> His name is John Doherty, and I would like to ask him to introduce himself. Hello, John. Hello, Anna. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Um, that's hilarious that you introduced me that way. It is true. If you Google most handsome man in Denver, Colorado, my photo, my face is in Google search results. Um, so yeah, happy to, happy to talk about that one. Um, but I'm John Doherty. I'm the founder and CEO at a company called Credo, um, where we help companies connect with uh, pre-bedded digital marketing agencies. Um, I'm, I'm a veteran digital marketer, uh, search engine optimization expert, been doing that for about 12 years. Um, worked for a couple agencies, worked in-house for a few years, and then been on my own uh, as an entrepreneur for about six years. Um, so we're a team of six um, at Credo, mostly based in Denver, Colorado. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm married. I have a wife. I have a daughter. We have a big dog, a uh, 100-pound black lab, great Dane mix named Butterbean. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm super stoked to talk about um, Woo and e-commerce and WordPress and whatever else y'all have on deck. One of the things that, so we, t we tend to do a lot of focus on um, the product side of things. And I love with your background that you know that the service space really well, because we have a lot of folks who do uh, WooCommerce service, right? Like they're helping clients get started. Before we get to that though, I'd love to just hear a bit more about your background and like, where did WordPress first come into the picture? Where did WooCommerce come to the picture for you? Yeah. So WordPress uh, came into the picture for me actually in about 2010. So my background, actually, I've been blogging on the internet now for at least 20 years. My first blog was in like 2000, 2001, something like that. I believe it was built on either Zanga or Blogspot, one of those. And, you know, just so I've just been writing for a really long time. I actually considered myself a writer before I was anything else, before I was a, a front-end developer, before I was a marketer, before I was an entrepreneur. Um, writing has just like always been my thing from a, a really young age. So... I launched, um, I, so I was trained as a web developer, front-end web developer in college. Um, I was actually a technical writing major, so learned to write software documentation, that sort of thing. But my concentration within my major at James Madison University in Virginia was uh, what they called online publications. Front-end web development is what it was. Um, so I learned basic HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm a, I'm a halfway dangerous front end developer still. I still do a lot of our like front end stuff at Credo, um, on our, on our marketing site, which is built on WordPress. Um, but I, I built my first site on WordPress in 2010. Um, my personal blog, um, which is still on WordPress and, and still going, obviously I've been using redesigns and, um, you know, moving of hosts and that sort of stuff over the years. Um, but basically, you know, I went from kind of, uh, using like, you know, cloud hosted blogspot, Zanga, whatever to uh, Joomla was the next thing that I started building stuff out on. And then kind of the next iteration from there was, uh, was WordPress. And so I've basically been exclusively building on WordPress uh, since about 2010, um, blogging, building different sites, um, different businesses now. Um, so WordPress is, is my jam. We've actually built out our full like proprietary technology at Credo in, on WordPress. Um, so not just our marketing site, but we have a whole like app that we've built out uh, leveraging WordPress um, as well. So we're like full on in the ecosystem. I'm curious for the people have different reasons for picking WordPress for you uh, to have gone kind of 
you have that background 2010 for you to kind of go in deep because once you make that decision it opens up a lot of other decisions woocommerce etc why why for you like what what was the the main reason uh at first it was simply that i i felt like like joomla and those were just so complicated and they didn't really make a, a ton of sense for me and everyone had talked about wordpress and you know, um, I was like, well, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's see what it's got. Right. And, and I was coming across a lot of like kind of, uh, uh, companies that were looking for SEO consulting, that kind of thing that were built on top of WordPress. Um, you know, I met the, the Yoast crew and, and some other people and was like, this is, this seems like the future. It seems like it's getting a lot of traction. So I should probably know it. So you saw the momentum like, you, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, so it's been 11 years now and it's only continued to accelerate um, you know, and I've, and on the, the e-commerce side, like, you know, I've worked on Magento sites. I've, uh, you know, worked on Shopify sites. I've, uh, subscribed to Shopify a few times for different, like kind of business ventures that never went anywhere. A few years ago, um, started building out kind of a side project, um, website and was like, let's see what WooCommerce kind of has. Um, you know, let's install it and, you know, kind of configure it and see what I can do with it. Um, you know, I've known, uh, you know, 80 for a long time and, um, was like, yeah, let's, let's kind of investigate this because if it's built on top of WordPress and I had, you know, built a, a full like marketplace on top of WordPress using gravity forms, gravity view and paid memberships pro. So I'm like, this thing's really powerful. It's kind of a no code, low code platform. And if woo is kind of a, you know, a similar sort of setup, it could make a lot of sense just because I know WordPress so well, if I want to do things, you know, try to sell things on physical things online. Um, so that, that's kind of why I launched, you know, the, the woo, uh, store, um, and, just kind of gone from there. If you would have to make a pick, what would you say that it was your aha moment when it came to, you know, learning how to play around with WordPress? Because you weren't just using services and products. You also did some of your own things like building technologies for Credo and so on. What would that be? This, this can you can you pick one? Is it hard? Yeah, I think the the aha moment really came because until like 20 16, I had basically been using it just for blogging, right? And that's what everyone, you know, thought about WordPress as for such a long time. Um, I think we've seen a big shift in that over the last, whatever, four, five, six, seven years, something like that. Y'all would know better, John, than you would especially know better um, kind of the, the meta view. But like, that's what I've seen from my perspective, um, that it's not just a blogging platform, but it's a full like business platform, running business sites, that kind of thing. And for me, uh, on a really was like, 2016, when I, you know, was ready to take Credo to the next level, kind of built out the first subscription iteration and was like, wow, I can take payments like through here, just using a plugin that cost me, you know, $200 for the year, $300 for the year, something like that. Like I buy that and all of a sudden I'm able to accept payments. I'm able to do logged in, logged out stuff like that. That just kind of blew my mind, um, you know, that, and I built a multiple six figure business off the back of basically $600 in premium plugins was like, holy crap, that is not possible to do anywhere else. Like I would not be able to build out anything like that, especially five years ago. There was nowhere else that I could do that for that amount of money and that easily without, you know, without being a, a backend developer at all. So that was the real unlock for me. I want to talk about Credo in a moment, but for that, so you have, so SEO is this thing that uh, is like, for some, it's, it makes a lot of sense. For others, it's like this dark magic thing. It's like, okay, what does this mean? Where did SEO first come into the picture for you? Because uh, you have this background in technical writing. Uh, like, where did where did it first where did it first become clear to you that oh, I I have something here. I could turn this into a career. 
So I first became familiar with uh, SEO in like uh, 2008, 2009, something like that. Um, I was uh, I was working for a software company in the the Northern Virginia, Washington D.C. area, and was doing like I was doing like high level tech support um, and like customer like account stuff, um, but also um, was their webmaster back when we called it webmaster, um, and we were built on top of Joomla. Um, and you know, there, there was the concept of search engine friendly URLs. I'm like, what is this? Right. Like, what does this mean? How do search engines even work? Um, and then actually, um, one of the maybe more interesting parts of my story is 2009, I quit my job and I moved back to a, uh, to a hippie commune. I'd lived in Switzerland for a year previously. So I moved back there, partnered up with a, a man that lived, uh, lived there in the village, like 150 person dairy village, um, on the side of the Swiss Alps. And, uh, he was running a book publishing company from there. Um, and so I kind of, we kind of partnered up, um, and basically long story short, I found myself, uh, running, uh, helping to run a book publishing company from French speaking Switzerland, publishing English language books, no budget to travel to, you know, book, uh, book fairs and that sort of thing was like, how the heck do I get people to buy these things? Right. Uh, and so I was like, well, I, I guess I have to use the internet, right? So I started getting familiar with, uh, with Google ads and, you know, and all that, but really what, what, uh, what grabbed my attention was, um, with SEO is kind of the, all, all, all three of the main parts, right? There was the technical part, which I could do because I was a, uh, web, uh, decent web developer. There was a the content side, which I could do because I was a blogger. Um, and then there was the outreach side, the link side, which I knew that I could do because I had built, you know, audiences, uh, for old blogs as well. So that all just kind of came together. I'm like, this is really interesting. It actually aligns with all of my skill sets. And it turns out I'm pretty good at it. Um, and so came back to the States in 2010 and got a job at an agency um, building links for $30,000 a year. Um, and just like, just kind of fell in love with it, got obsessed with it for a few years. So uh, what's what's really interesting, at least from my outside perspective with Credo, like you, you could have gone down this path of just like building a good business for yourself. Right. Like you've got the expertise, you were earlier to the game. So you can, and people have done really well in this space and, and it continues to be a high, high value space. You chose to do something different though. Tell us what, tell us about Get Credo. Where was the genesis for that? What is it? And like, why did you decide to do that versus just doing your own thing? Yeah. So I joke with people that, uh, it's, it's half joking and also like makes me cry on the inside a little bit. If I, if I had wanted to make a lot more money a lot quicker, I would have started an agency. Um, but I've worked at agencies before. I've hired agencies when I was in-house. Obviously, like agencies are my main customer right now. Um, but I didn't want to build an agency myself, mostly because I found myself like getting bored with just doing SEO and just talking about SEO. And I was finding my own kind of evolution as a professional was not just like talking about, you know, as I like to say, backlinks and canonicals, which is like, you know, the SEO industry tends to like get super nitty gritty on these things, but they don't actually talk about how's this actually affecting business? How's this actually driving business? How's it, you know, driving market share, like that kind of thing. And that's where I really started getting interested. And so, you know, I didn't just want to sell people SEO services. I did a lot of SEO consulting after I went out on my own in 2015 to self fund the business, but I, you know, kind of slowly phased that out. I think I phased that out around the beginning of 2019 is when I really phased that out because Credo had become self-sustaining. Um, so I stopped doing like retained SEO consulting that I had done before. I was consulting for big brands on SEO, right? Some of the biggest brands in the world were my clients, but I, I was just kind of bored of, bored of it, honestly. And, you know, wanted to build something different, um, but also in a space that I knew. So I know the digital marketing space well, the, you know, SEO space well, um, as well as like 
paid acquisition and, you know, PPC and Facebook ads and that sort of thing, um, which is where a lot of the budgets are these days anyways, um, still. Um, and I, I believe continuing on forward. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of bored of like the, the services thing and kind of dealing with, you know, clients and just talking about the same stuff. And, um, yeah, so I, I just set out to build something different and saw this need. I started Credo in, uh, out of my old apartment in Brooklyn, New York in 2013, because I'd stopped consulting and my clients at the time were like, well, who should I work with? So I started connecting them up with people. Um, and was basically like, I had in the span of about two months, I had three friends that had hired bad SEO firms and have lost a lot of their traffic. One of them got banned from Google basically, cause they hired an overseas firm for cheap. And, uh, you know, they got, they got banned from Google and 70% of their business came from Google. So guess what? They lost 70% of their revenue overnight. Um, and I was like, this is terrible. Like I, I, you know, a, I can connect people. Uh, people are coming to me looking for help. And these people that are, you know, have gotten hurt, they're looking for good firms. And I also know who's good. So I can, I can basically connect the two. And so I started that doing that in 2013, uh, went in house for a couple of years, um, and then re- started working on it September, 2015. Um, when I, uh, uh, yeah, when I went on my, on my own, I lost my job and was like, let's do this. So Credo has grown a lot since then. How do you explain it to someone who, like, if, if you're talking to someone today and explaining it for the first time, they have no context. How do you introduce it? I say, I mean, I, I use the perfect intro from Clay Hebert, and I say, we help great growing companies find and hire the right pre-vetted digital marketing agency. Um, and they're like, wait, what does that mean? Right? Kind of the purpose of your perfect intro is people would ask, like, wait, what does that mean? How do you do that? Um, and then I explain that, you know, we have a network of agencies that we vetted out that we know that we do great, that we know do great work. Here's our three, or here's our uh, three-step 28 point vetting process that we put them through. Um, and basically we take a high touch approach to connecting you up with, uh, with agencies. Um, and people are like, oh, that's interesting. You're not an agency. I'm like, no, we're a matchmaker. Um, so in the past I've called us like the match.com or people have called us the match.com of digital marketing. It's, it's, it's a decent corollary. Um, but yeah, we were different than that. We're not just a directory, like come browse agencies, you know, thousands of agencies and contact a bunch of them. Like we, we just take a different, like high signal approach to helping companies. Was it hard for you to make the switch from being a polymath, like during also consultancy work and SEO and maybe web development here and there, and then turning to entrepreneurship and building a SaaS company, if you want to call it this way, you're building a platform, you built it. It, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're a, we're a productized service is what I would call us. We're not a true like SaaS, uh, SaaS company. Cause we do a lot of like, um, yeah, it's, it's just like a kind of a high touch. This is, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And it's not like people just signing up and paying us to, you know, to be able to do things like a, like a true SaaS business. Was it hard to make the shift? You know, honestly, it was kind of an evolution. Like it was easy for me to pick up consulting from the start. It was hard for me to learn you know, like basically building a, you know, a productized service. And we've gone through different iterations of, uh, you know, really being more of a product business, being like a, you know, kind of lead distribution system. If I subscription lead distribution system, if I can call it that to kind of where we've arrived now with like kind of a, a high touch approach and, you know, high dollar value for agencies, that kind of thing. Um, it was, it was an evolution over the years. Um, you know, I enjoyed the consulting that I was doing. That was easy to sign. Um, but then I found that Credo was growing and I needed to put more time into that. So I had less time to do consulting and I didn't need it as much. And, um, so it's, yeah, it's just been an evolution, um, over the years. And, you know, at this point I'm more of a, I'm more of an entrepreneur or business builder than I am a, you know, a marketer, uh, or an SEO professional. SEO is still my like core, but 
you know, it's also 10% of what I do. So do you still do it for Credo? Yeah. Yep. I still do all the SEO for Credo. Um, I don't have nearly as much time to do it as I wish I had and as I need to put into it. Uh, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still doing all of it. So when did single geared come into picture? Good question. So how long after, how long after you started Credo? Actually, if there is a timeline correlation in here. Yeah. So basically, long story short, single geared uh, actually started before Credo um, out of an, an interest of mine in, in bicycle culture in New York City when I was living there. Realized that wasn't kind of a passion of mine. The site just kind of w- just sat out there on the internet for a couple of years. Um, and then I moved to Colorado and, uh, you know, do a lot of stuff outdoors. That's part of the reason why we moved here, rock climbing, skiing, that sort of stuff. Um, and had an interest in, in building basically an affiliate business. I was like, let's just, let's see if this is, you know, something that I, that I really enjoy doing. Um, and so started writing reviews of new gear that I was getting. You know, obviously I have an SEO background, so I could write for that kind of thing. I could, you know, drive some revenue through there. Um, and then, uh, was like, okay, kind of how do I take this to the next level? And so that's why I, you know, installed WooCommerce and kind of automated a lot of that, that stuff. So, so when you're buying all this gear, does that mean you can treat them as business yeah. expenses? <laughs> it does. It does. I actually also get a lot of it for free too, by like reaching out to companies. Cause they're like, yeah, we'll send you gear. Like one company I, I tweeted about and someone asked me a question. I was like, yeah, you know, it's good stuff. But like, I kind of see it as being like city, like outdoor gear, not really like mountain outdoor gear. They DM me and they're like, what's your address? We like to send you some stuff. They sent me like $1,500 worth of like jackets and like fly fishing gear and that kind of thing. So um, it's been fun. I, I love it. And, and there's yeah. a clear value exchange, like for, to get, to give them authentic, like feedback on something. Yeah. I, I love totally, it. Totally. Totally. And I always say if they send it to me for free or kind of how we got it or, you know, whatever that is. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fun little side project. I don't do a ton with it these days. Um, I tend to do more of it, more with it in the winter when I'm skiing and such. Um, so I'll probably start doing a little bit more of it coming up, but and using the gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you? Do you have a team around single gear? No. Or do you work on it? On no, your own? it's just me. Um, my my business partner in Credo um, will help me out sometimes on these. My CTO, he'll help me out sometimes on the like some of the more like technical stuff. But you know, it's all it's all built with like you know plugins and and that kind of thing. So I can I can do that stuff myself. Excellent. So. So with Credo, you have this advantage now because you've been doing it for quite a few years. You've got this, you've seen a lot kind of go through it. So you have this advantage of whether you're conscious of it or not, like aggregate insights, right? Like you see trends and you see things kind of happening across the space. How do you, through that lens and all the agencies that you work with, how do you think about WooCommerce? Like what have you noticed? What are some of the trends, if anything? Like what what's your perspective on WooCommerce through that lens of Credo? Yeah, so I mean, remembering that, most of the projects coming through Credo are, excuse me, focused around digital marketing, focused around SEO, Facebook, that kind of thing. What we usually see is people that are earlier on. So people that are, you know, just launched their e-commerce business, just looking to get it going, right? They did so they tend to have smaller marketing budgets. They tend to launch on Shopify um, because it's cheaper, it's easier to get going, that sort of thing. Um, and then once they've scaled, then, you know, often what we hear is like, well, we've been on Shopify, but like, we don't like X, Y, and Z, and we need to move to something more scalable. Um, and so, you know, we're investigating, you know, a new platform, um, you know, a lot of them will mention Magento. And then we've also heard, you know, quite a few of them mention WooCommerce. If they don't mention WooCommerce, we kind of ask them why, right? Like, have you considered it? You know, th- that's kind of what we hear from like the the consumer side that they start kind of investigating it then. Um, yep. 
and then and then you know as as we mentioned as you mentioned offline what do you hear on the agency side on the agency side a lot of them still build on shopify because they're taking on like smaller um people like people that are actually building e-commerce sites right usually it's for like a smaller business and Shopify is still quite good for that. You know, there's still a lot of like upkeep and such with WooCommerce, it's super configurable, which is great, but you have to have a team in place that kind of wants that. Um, and it, it kind of feels like there's still a, a fair bit of noise and it's just a lot of like customization in the, in the Woo space. So agencies tend to stick away, tend to keep away from that because Shopify is just like all in one. I'm not saying that's the right reason. It's just what I hear, you know, people doing. Yeah. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. Now, if you're looking for that right plugin for your client's Woo shop, chances are Yith will have what you are looking for. With over 100 plugins, I'm sure you will find that sweet spot. For example, their memberships and subscription plugin is perfect for selling videos, courses, lessons, consultancies, by restricting more access to member only and creating recurring income. To complement that plugin, the YIT Dynamic Pricing allows you to create your own Amazon Prime like benefits and discounts for your members. Visit yitthemes.com to check out their extensive collection of plugins. Wayflyer is helping WooCommerce direct to consumer merchants improve their cash flow to accelerate growth through revenue-based financing for their marketing and inventory needs. Now, whether it's for you or your clients, signing up is free. An offer will be delivered in a matter of hours and one fee keeps it simple. They're the only trusted funding partner on the WooCommerce marketplace and are featured over there in the Grow Your Business collection. So if you are looking to help yourself or your client with your store's marketing and inventory financial cash flow, just head on over to wayflyer.com. And now let's head back to the show. I've got a hypothesis. I'm curious for your thoughts on. So I have an agency background. I've worked, I did you know, small stuff, freelancing, mm-hmm. medium, and then worked okay. in enterprise for quite a few years. So I have, and I've, I know a lot of agency folks. My hypothesis so for WordPress in the enterprise, like WordPress is growth because a lot of people didn't expect WordPress to grow in the enterprise, right? They're like, you have Adobe's, they have all these other like major platforms. And the reason in my experience that WordPress grew in the enterprise was the focus on the end user uh, and being easy to use. And enterprise decision makers began to say, why do, why can't we just have WordPress? And there was this degree to which the agencies came kicking and screaming. That, that was my overall experience with WordPress. I see similar patterns from my perspective with WooCommerce where like Shopify does a fantastic job of bringing in the agencies, right? Like they tend to have strong agency programs. There's aligned incentives where you can like have the commissions. And I've talked to folks, uh, I've talked to a lot of agency folks on the Woo side and on Shopify and you know, if an agency is really good at what they do, they tend, and, and many of them are, they're going to, they want the best solution for their customer. The incentives though, tend to be on like Shopify has got the the marketing budget. So they have the, the visibility. They also are a source of leads. And it's not until that mid market to enterprise where the concepts of like ownership and the flexibility and just the overall community begin to matter more that 
what I've at least noticed on my end is that uh, agencies who position themselves well uh, start to outsell the other platforms on the Woo space. And even if they don't, what's starting to happen is that the customers are beginning to ask a bit more about WooCommerce. And then the agency, at the end of the day, the average agency is going to follow the money, right? Right, right. I'm, I'm curious, does that make sense to you? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I, I think there's there's definitely something to that, you know, because kind of earlier on, you know, there's not a like on the, you know, on the buyer side, there's not a lot of like need for customization, right? Or like you just don't want to have to think about it. It's like, it's just all right here, right? There's like, a, there's an email part, there's an SMS part, there's a product management part, there's an inventory, like all, there's a billing part, like there's all that stuff versus once you get more, you know, complex, you have more people, you know, in place, maybe you have a team that's, uh, you know, administrating it, that sort of thing. It just, th- those, those uh, guardrails just become too limiting. Um, and so that's when, yeah, as you said, kind of like medium to enterprise, that's when people start investigating the, you know, more customizable, um, options and, and they're okay with having to figure out hosting and, you know, and all that sort of stuff, having to figure out configurations and all that. They actually want to do that because it's better for their business. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it, it makes sense. So, you know, I see, I see Shopify builds for a couple grand, right? Cause it's easy. It's pretty easy to do. Especially if an agency has it scaled out, they have their themes that they use and needs to customize and that kind of thing. You know, Woo builds are quite a bit more expensive um, simply because it's just a lot more, it's a lot more custom. There's a lot more moving parts. Um, so someone new isn't going to be able to afford a, you know, $50,000 build. Well, and it's interesting too, at least in my experience, ownership tends to be the key component for a business. Like when I, back when I worked at Woo, like I, we, we would have these like super high end uh, businesses that would come in. They're like, they're on Shopify now, they're feeling some pains. And, and that the overall thread was that of ownership. It's like, we're building our business. We don't feel comfortable with like using a platform that we're renting. And for any, any number of different reasons, whether it's the flexibility reason, but at the end of the day, it ended up, it's this idea of ownership. And it's interesting then to think about for the agency, like how do they position themselves? And from, from my perspective, it's not a, I, I like this idea that I'm hearing from you of there's a, there's a, like a life cycle component to it, right? Like early on, you know, there's, and some of the, the ownership values may not be as strong for someone, right? Like they just, Hey, they just need it to work. They get it up and running. How, when you're, what are you noticing on the positioning side of things for the agencies that do really well, like how do they tend to position themselves? Do, do they take an approach where they're like, we'll work with whatever, or do they tend to be more opinionated? Um, it's definitely the second. It's definitely more opinionated. Like what, what I see in the, in the agency world is, you know, people starting out will often, you know, they'll do anything, right? Yeah. Well, you want to build a Shopify? Great. We'll build on Shopify. You want to build on Woo? Great. We'll build on Woo. Want to build on Magento? We'll figure it out, right? Um, and, you know, and it's, I'm like, but once you actually move, but but they're often targeting kind of lower, lower uh, customer value, low, uh, higher volume sort of stuff. Um, versus once you get, once you kind of move up market from that, um, because of that high volume, low value stuff is super hard. It's super hard to scale, and it's just a it's just a mess. Um, but once you move up, uh, once you move up market. It's really, uh, agencies definitely specialize. Um, you know, you want to, like, you want to build on Woo? Great. We got you, right? This is what we do. We've built 150 stores. These are the, you know, these are the, this is how our process works. These are the plugins that we use. These are the systems that we, you know, 
uh, want you to subscribe to that sort of thing. Um, but if you want to build on, you know, one of these other platforms, we're not the right fit for you. Um, and they're able to do that simply because, you know, they've been able to establish that process for, you know, building out for the right type of company um, and, you know, making it work for everybody from a pricing perspective. Um, so they definitely focus. And that's so much easier to sell, Jonathan, right? Like, that's the, that's the thing here. And, you know, thinking about it from the SEO, like from the, let's talk about like my experience from, you know, selling SEO services, for example, I sold half a million dollars of, of SEO consulting in about two and a half years. Um, not because I was like, yeah, sure. Startup just getting started. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. They couldn't afford me. Right. Um, I was focused on, I like to say I, when I was doing SEO specifically, I do SEO, I solve hard SEO problems for very large websites. And by very large websites, I mean websites with a million plus pages in Google's index. That was my sweet spot there because I'd been working for a number of years on very large websites. I led marketing on hotpads.com and Trulia Rentals. Hotpads had 17 million URLs in the index. Trulia had nine figures. Zillow had nine figures, right? Like we were part of the Zillow group. So I was like, you know, doing doing some stuff with, uh, you know, Zillow.com. Um, you know, like interacting with their team wasn't directly working on that site, but you know, you, you get the point. So I focus. And so someone would come to me wanting, you know, blog posts or link building done. Sorry, that's not what I do. Right. But someone comes to me and they're looking for, you know, they're a very large website, needing SEO, needing an SEO leader to fix their traffic and build out their team and hire them, you know, someone to lead their SEO initiatives. I'm your guy. And I knew that I could charge, you know, very good rates for that. And it was just like, basically if a site like that came and I had the bandwidth and I wanted to pitch them. I was going to close them. Um, so it, was, it became a very easy, you know, very easy close as opposed to people out there kind of pounding it out for, you know, $1,000 a month here or there. I was charging five figures a month often from, you know, from multiple clients simply because I could, um, because I was specialized. So it, it goes the same way, no matter what kind of service you're offering, if you can niche down and you focus on the right type, right? It makes it very easy to say no to the wrong type of leads. And if you're smart, you're going to figure out how to refer them to somebody else and take a cut. Um, and then the ones that come that you're like, yep, that's me. You know, I got that. And you know that you can charge kind of industry leading rates. It's just going to be a much better, more sane business. So at this I, earlier on, you mentioned with Credo. So at this point, so you're, you're more in this like elite matchmaking space, yep. right? Like, yep. So you, ha- you mentioned the checklists. You have these like different points. So at a high level for the agency folks listening, uh, I would I would uh, posit that there's probably a correlation to folks that you would consider to have the high signals. They're they're, they're going to be agencies that tend to do well, right? So like you you get a sense of seeing like which are the agencies that are performing well in the space. So what are some of the characteristics of an agency that's going to do well? Specialization is one we've been talking about a bit. Like what else? What are the things that you the signals that you see that's like these guys are going to be doing? Yeah, well? yeah. So it's, so it's a, a couple of things. Number one is definitely specialization. Um, and I kind of think about specialization as a, as a T, right? There's this idea in the marketing space of a, a T-shaped marketer. Um, so, you know, like a, a, a good marketer is kind of going to understand um, one channel really deep, right? So for me, it's SEO, but they're also going to understand how it works across the top and with all the other marketing channels, you know, email, paid content, PR, offline, right? Um so I, the agencies I see doing the best, they kind of specialize in one area or at least signing the most work. They specialize in one area or a couple of areas, right? They do a lot of, you know, SaaS, for example. Um, but, you know, they've also done e-commerce and, and that sort of thing. They can sign it, right? But like most of their uh, messaging goes towards, um, you know, one specific. Um, 
and then it's uh and but what i see work what i see work the best honestly jonathan is if they say like yes we do you know we we work primarily with e-commerce businesses um you know doing website builds but we also can do uh, we can also, you know, configure email setup. We can configure SMS su- setup, like that kind of thing. So they've kind of gone a bit horizontal in terms of like the services that they offer, right? So they they do build so deep there, and then horizontal. And and is my guess that that's usually are those usually services they offer for those e-commerce clients? So it's like exactly, it's like basically, all right, we focus on e-commerce clients, and we got you. We're going to take care of your e-commerce, and if you need the SMS stuff, like we can we can do that bundle of things adjacent to it as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and w- we think about it as like primary and secondary services. Um, so we have a lot of agencies on Credo, for example, that do like, they do copywriting, but only copywriting for uh, companies they're managing their Facebook ads for. Right. So like, they're not going to go and do like, just like do copywriting for sales pages for info products, but they'll write the copy for ads. Um, so it's, yeah, it's that like primary. Yes. We'll take on that dedicated project versus it's an add-on that we know is a value add to people that are paying us for this primary thing. Is industry know-how also that important or can it be maybe, you know, something that you learn on the way or something that you adjust with the help of the client or the, the client company? I'm glad you asked about that because it's something that we get uh, asked for fairly often. Um, you know, we've, we've had some crazy re- requests over the years. People being like, I need someone that does these five, I, I need, I need these five marketing channels, but I only want a consultant that does all five and they need to be specialized in cybersecurity or something like that. There's like four people in the world that do that, right? Like, I'm like, honestly, you should just go do that research yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and contact those people yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what we usually tell people is like, kind of the, the levels of decision-making for who to hire. It's, um, do they do the, you know, the, the thing that you need to so the marketing channel that you need, or do they build out, you know, e-commerce websites, right? Can they show you that they have that deep experience? Um, and, and the industry thing is kind, it's kind of a nice to have, um, except for in a few specific areas where there's like kind of regulations around it. So like healthcare is an example or medical or pharma, right? I mean, all of that's in medical, um, all of that is, uh, or even like, you know, dentists and, you know, anything having to do with like patients, anything like medical related. Um, those are the ones where it does make sense to find a, a company that has that deep experience, especially if they're building out like an e-commerce website, you know, for a, uh, for, for someone in the, in the healthcare world, they need to think about this sort of stuff. Um, so, so they need to, you know, be familiar with all of that. Otherwise it's just, you could get yourself in legal trouble and that kind of thing. But for most it doesn't really make that big of a that big of a difference. What I say is it matters if they have, especially for like SEO, for example, it 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 doesn't really matter if they have, you know, experience in your specific space, if they're doing technical SEO for your, you know, for your woo install. Like doesn't doesn't really matter. But if they're creating content, yes, then it can then it does, you know, uh it it, it makes a difference, right? Or they have a good process for recruiting writers that have experience in your industry. Um so you know, it, it can matter, but for me, usually it's a nice to have, um, not a, not a have to have. One of the things I'm curious about, so you, uh, so business model is interesting in the agency space, right? Like there's a lot of different ways you can do things. You do hourly, do retainers, uh, in your experience, um, like for the agency folks who are listening, like, do you see any business models that are predictors of success? 
like that that seem more aligned with value or the high like any any just thoughts on how agencies in your experience are going to do well approach pricing and and that value exchange yeah man pricing is pricing is such an interesting one this is something i've thought about a lot um over the years you know there's there's multiple levels of pricing obviously there's uh i I basically think about four there's billing hourly there is um billing by the um by the project there's billing by uh as a retainer and then there's value-based pricing um and actually flip that right so it starts at the bottom hourly project retainer value and that kind of amounts that you're able to charge if you've productized down quite a bit so if you're building out out woocommerce stores right like putting in the work up front to uh well first productizing your you know your offering that we do x y and z we use these systems you have that process and you know you can charge for it right it's kind of a a package that they pay x and they know what they're getting right you charge thirty thousand dollars and they know that they're getting all these things right um and so they're basically buying a product um if it's ongoing sort of like development work I like to think that you can just kind of like put them on a retainer and, you know, just use that. You, you never know what's going to happen, right? They're going to come back with change requests and that sort of thing. So if you just quote them one price, but then you allow for any sort of customization, then it just becomes a mess and you have to go back and renegotiate and blah, blah, blah. It's just like kind of a pain. I, for the most part, don't like hourly billing, especially in digital marketing. I don't like hourly billing. Um, I would, I would, uh, I actually tell agencies, counsel agencies to, sell like chunks yep, of hours do that. so yeah. like instead of you know yeah so like you can bill hourly but have a minimum number of hours right like we charge a hundred dollars an hour for you know d- and minimum 10 hours a month if you don't use those whole 10 hours you're still being billed for it right so it's basically a retainer and then anything above that you're still tracking your time and anything above that you're billing them a hundred dollars an hour um don't discount for overage by the way um i see agencies do this all the time do not discount for overage because they should actually if anything they should pay more per hour because they're taking more of your time that, you know, which may cause you to work more, you're taking away from other clients, like that sort of thing. It makes capacity planning really hard. Um, so I actually say charge for chunks of hours and then, you know, charge your, your regular hourly rate over that. So yeah, that, that's kind of my take on my take on pricing. Um, I also say like, it's good to benchmark where you sit in the industry to know industry averages and that sort of thing. But if you're just charging industry averages, averages tend to shift down over time because the space becomes more commoditized. And so know kind of where your floor is, but then add on additional things that are higher value so you can actually end up charging more. Um, so you're not competing just on price. There's always gonna be someone that's gonna come in cheaper um, than you. Um, and if you're trying to play that game, it's just a race to the bottom versus adding on additional things, expertise, um, you know, other services, that kind of thing, that enables you to charge more. And so then you avoid becoming commoditized. And that's where you wanna be as a service uh, provider. So if I'm thinking about predictors of success, there's, there's how specialized is, is the service provider. Right. And, and that can mean a lot of different things, right? Like some, uh, I like this concept of the T shape, right. Where it's not like, Oh, we only do one thing. It's like in general, it's like, Hey, we, so we focus on a particular vertical or we focus on a particular type of problem to solve. Right. Which could span verticals. Then do you have business model? And I like like those, those four make a lot of sense. My guess is that you'd agree in general, the, the further up you are, the more aligned, right? Like you don't want to be just charging straight hourly. Uh, projects could be one thing, but it's like somewhere just continuing to move up to be more aligned with value is probably a good predictor of the of the the quality of the agency. Is there anything else that you see like good predictors of agency succeeding? 
Yeah. So, so the other one is like, it's actually not related to service, like to delivering services at all. It's actually on the front end. Most agencies are really bad at selling work. Ah, yep. So actually having a defined sales process, I actually teach for service businesses. I have a framework. It doesn't have a sexy name. I call it my DSSP framework. Um, it's a four-step sales process, discovery call, strategy call, scope, uh, email, and then proposal. So not sitting, not getting ahead of yourself and sending a proposal after a call or something like that. Actually having two calls, getting them to buy in with the scope that you propose to them. After that, you know, 90 minutes of calls and then sending the proposal, which is just a formality. Agencies that don't have a defined sales process that, uh, you know, either let the client or the prospect lead the sales process, or, you know, they're just like, I'm going to do a 20 minute call. I'm going to send you a proposal. That doesn't work. Super low close rates versus if you have either the founder has a sales background or has invested in learning about sales or they have a salesperson internally um, that's able to, you know, kind of run the process. That that right there is a single, you know, biggest predictor. Um, you know, we've worked with a fair few digital marketing agencies over the years that I know deliver great work. Their founder has been in the industry for a long time. They're an industry recognized name, et cetera. And their sales team can't close work to save their life, right? We can land awesome digital marketing projects on their calendar all day, but if they don't, if they can't close, they're just not, they're just not going to succeed. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that like established sales process is actually the thing that a lot of, uh, a lot of agencies don't, don't think about because they're so in the weeds. They're talking about, you know, these individual tools and that sort of thing. You actually need to look at it from the bigger business perspective. And that's how you sell good work and get people bought in. So, um, last the thing I'm, from my perspective. So you wrote this piece, uh, I think it was on LinkedIn yesterday, the five mindset shifts that made the difference in your life. Yeah. And with sales, uh, I want to talk about, I think it was your third one, certainty versus confidence. Mm. And in the sales process, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like over the, as you've, in your own journey, what you've experienced, like where does confidence play a factor like, how do you think about that difference between confidence and certainty applied to like agency sales? Yeah. Yeah. So my overall perspective on it is, um, you know, <laughs> there, there are very few guarantees in life, right? I mean, the joke is death and taxes. Um, you know, you're going to die someday and you're going to have to pay taxes, you know, but when people are, uh, on the buyer side are looking to buy services, they often go in like the the reason why we get these requests of like, you know, I want someone that has industry experience or I want someone that's worked with this company before or something like that is because they basically feel like it's going to guarantee that they're going to get the thing that they're, you know, th- that they're, they're trying to accomplish. Um, and so from the agency sales side, really what you need to do is you need to understand what are they like, they're making these requests, but where are they actually getting at? Right. Like what are their, like, what are their, their skepticisms like that sort of thing. And so that, that kind of helps you zone in on where, you know, kind of what you need to push on, right? Your experience, your, you know, specific clients or the technology that you build on or whatever that is, depending on who you're talking to. And really what you're trying to do is move them to uh, feeling confident that you have the experience to get them the ultimate outcome that they're looking for. Anyone can go and find a WooCommerce developer, right? But like, just because that person has experience working with WooCommerce doesn't mean that they're going to build out a platform that's going to enable them to do all the things that they want to do to build their company. So, you know, basically you need to show them that like, we have experience doing the thing that you need for the kind of company that you are. And we've done it, you know, a a lot of times and this is our process. That makes it really easy for them to buy as opposed to the like, we'll figure it out. Right. Well, and it's, 
and there's interesting tension too. What if you're just starting, right? Like how do you develop that? And, and I think you said something key there, which is this focusing on the outcome, because at the end of the day, most people, it's like, they're not just, they're not just wanting to pay money to have WooCommerce configured, <laughs> right? Like they have an outcome that they're after a new business that they're launching a transition that they're wanting to make. They have reasons for making that. If they're moving from Shopify to Woo, there's reasons for that. And in, at least in my experience, and I imagine you found the same for the service provider who could like, there's a higher likelihood of success if they stay focused on that outcome, even if they don't have a big track record, like if they do have a big track record, sometimes that track record can get in the way of the outcome. Like they didn't hear what the client really wanted. And if they don't like just by focusing on that outcome, and sometimes that confidence could just be focused on your ability to figure it out, like to understand their outcome and figure out what needs to get done to get there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's definitely a balance, you know, and if you're just starting out, well, what if I don't have experience? Well, you have to get that experience, right? You have to find people that are going to, you know, kind of take a bit of a chance on you. Um, and you're not going to be able to charge like industry leading rates. That's just the, the, the that's just the, 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 on, the, on, just, just being honest about it. Right. But as you get more experience over time, then you really discover like, what kind of sites am I good at building? What kind of people do I like working with? What types of organizations do I like working with? What does the sales process look like? And over time, you get better and you're able to raise your, you know, raise your prices over time. Um, yeah. And then once you get further in, then it becomes a matter of not getting complacent and not just doing the thing that worked, you know, six, seven years ago, because it worked six, seven years ago and it's what you know, but actually like staying on kind of the leading edge, investigating new um, uh, service for, uh, tools and, you know, what have you. Um, but not to the detriment of providing a good business-focused service. I love it. Is there a place where people can learn more about the work that you do, John? Yeah, so there's two places, um, three places, actually. Number one is my my personal uh, blog is johnfdoherty.com, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y.com. Just Google John Doherty is the first Google result. Uh, the second search result is going to be my Twitter account, uh, Doherty, at DohertyJF. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, I love interacting with people there. Um, and then the third is getcredo.com. Um, you know, if you're looking for a, looking for a digital marketing provider, um, or if you're a digital marketing provider looking to get more clients, we've got multiple offerings for you there. So those are the best places to find me. Fantastic. John, it was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us, for sharing your insights and perspective and, uh, see you again. Thanks y'all. This is a good time. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, Bob WP. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. No matter the need you may have in your next Woo Shop build, Yith has you covered with over 100 excellent plugins at yiththemes.com. And if your clients are looking for that cash flow assistance with their marketing and inventory, make sure and send them to wayflyer.com. And of course, stay on top of our episodes by subscribing to your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or one of the many others. So until next time, keep on doing the woo.